Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today. We're an hour and 27 minutes away from the start of the 2018 bowl season right here on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI, we're going to talk about the Frisco Bowl. Frank Solich in Ohio taking on Rocky Long in San Diego State. This is a big battle. I love both teams in terms of Mac opponent, Ohio. They stepped up. Nathan Rourke having a solid season, 22 touchdown passes. This is an Ohio defense that has allowed around 400 total Total yards per game to opposing offenses in San Diego State. We know blue-collar offense and defensive lines only given up 94 rushing yards to opposing offenses. Jawan Washington is back. They have Jasmine. Quarterback will be a concern for San Diego State. Does Rocky Long go with the senior Christian Chapman, or does he roll the dice with Agnew, who I think was the better quarterback throughout the year? I still like San Diego State here, but again, I look for a high-scoring game in this matchup. I think this is a vastly underrated bowl game, Joe. I mean, to me, there are so many uh, storylines that I want to watch. To begin with, what a great coaching matchup. You have 68-year-old Rocky Long versus 74-year-old Frank (laughs) Solich. And despite the fact that they're 142 years combined, these guys are still bringing it year after year. I mean, look at Solich's Ohio Bobcat team. Last five games, they've scored at least 49 points with Nathan Rourke, the Canadian. Yeah. Running around, throwing throwing passes. A.J. Allette out of the backfield. I mean, these guys can run the ball. I lean towards San Diego State because I think we have forgotten about the Aztecs because it was a very inconsistent, up-and-down year. This is a team that could struggle with Eastern Michigan and yet upset, you know, Boise State. I, I mean, this team was inconsistent all year long, but the fact that Jawan Washington is healthy, I think they go with the senior quarterback. I think it's going to be Christian Chapman. I, I think he's ridden Chapman all year long. That's been his guy. He was hurt. Agnew was not spectacular. I think Chapman will get the ball. This is such a contrasting style game. Gabe, I'm going to lean towards San Diego State in this one, but I I think it's going to be very, very entertaining. They're concerned here. And you have two veteran coaches, two class acts in Solich and in Long. They've done great jobs with mid-tier programs and really put them on the map. Um, But when push comes to shove, I can't overlook the fact, uh, courtesy of Mark Lawrence's database, uh, that uh, Mountain West teams are 6-1 last seven uh, times contests against uh, the MAC. I just think San Diego State have better athletes uh, than Ohio do. And I respect Solich, but at the same point in time, I think there's sort of a, a ceiling. Uh, that, that comes with, with Ohio. Rourke is a good quarterback, but he also is a little bit, uh, he can turn the ball over. All right. He's a little bit erratic at, at times. I just think, I like San Diego State's athletes. I just think they're they're a little bit more uh, of a solid all around football team and will be ready to, ready to go today. I like uh, today, uh, later in the week. Give me the Aztecs. Yeah. Here's the thing when you look at San Diego State, the difference between last year and uh, over the last few years in terms of their style of play. We know they want to ground and pound the football. They're only averaging 162 rushing yards per game, only passing for 190 through the air. But more importantly, this is a team over the last four years that's been able to dictate the tempo on the offensive defensive lines and force turnovers. This year, negative three in turnover margin for the first time since 2013. 
So they were positive in turnover margin over the last three years. They've been entering this season. They were plus 43 in turnover margin and only have 24 total sacks as yeah. a defensive unit. So he's getting more younger players involved. But they're, it's a transition this year from a defensive perspective under Rocky. Moore. You know what it reminds me of, Joe? It reminds me a little bit of Stanford this year. You know, Stanford, yeah. you know their identity. San Diego State, you know their identity. You know what they want to do. And this year, they just haven't been able to do it up to their usual yeah. standard. But I, I think this is a redemptive game for San Diego State. You know, they listen, they still have the talent to beat sure. Boise and Arizona State. I mean, the Arizona State team that we like and we like what Herm has done. San Diego State won that game. I know it was a little controversial at the end, but they beat Arizona State. They could beat a Pac-12 team. And now that they have the luxury of time off and health, I really want to I watch Jawan Washington. Yes, That's a kid a very, we really I like liked Jasmine a lot. Jasmine, too. Jasmine Chaz Jasmine, good. another kid. I mean, that running game, which got, you know, listen, they got banged up. The offensive line was banged up. It wasn't the San Diego State that we're accustomed to. Now that you've had a little bit of time to, to breathe, to heal, watch San Diego State and those running backs. I think you'll see, I think you'll see the San Diego State team that we're more accustomed to Next week. And to your point, how big of I want to say the transition during the regular season of Danny Gonzalez. We saw it a few years ago, the transition of Narduzzi becoming the head coach at Pitt, and Michigan State took a minor step back without him at the helm. Now the regular season, they, they sort of played well but didn't dominate ball games. They rolled the dice offensively, had some injuries. But now you have an extra three weeks of preparation, and I think that's what you'll see in terms of stepping up from a defensive perspective in this ball game. So we'll see. I mean, it's an intri- uh, intriguing battle. <laughs> I said it again. That's my favorite word of the day. But, Gabe, I mean, is there one, one thing that when you break it down from the Vegas angle, I mean, anything that jumps out besides Mark Lawrence's dad database from a total perspective in this matchup total feels a little high to me that's you know, just you know, looking at it at 54 it's funny because we have a lot of low totals in these bowl games but we have two listen man this this isn't mike leach versus uh, kendall bryles here is it this game <laughs> you know what i mean we've got two coaches who neither coach wants to get into a track meet. We got two coaches that want to win the line of scrimmage. We got two coaches that want to play defense. Um, you know, we got a San Diego State team that averages 22 points a game. I know Ohio put up 41 points a game, but I, they're, they're not scoring 41 points on SDSU here. I'm leaning with the under. I'd be surprised if this game was a track meet, Joe. And I don't like betting unders, but as an over better and someone who generally bets overs or at pass, I wouldn't be pulling the trigger on the over this game. I think we're looking at a smash-mouth football game here that goes under the number. It all depends on who can dictate tempo, because if, if Ohio does, then then San Diego State might have to play yes. catch-up yeah. and, and throw. I don't think it happens. And that's not their role. That's I, and I don't good. think it happens, Gabe. I, I think San Diego State will dictate the tempo and, and the, the uh, just the overall philosophy of this game. I think it will be more smash-mouth. I think they'll drag Ohio into that. Yeah. And in a game like that, I think it will be lower scoring. And this was an Ohio defense at the start of the year at one point in the first six games of the year was allowing 500 total yards of defense to opposing offenses so I mean they weren't a dominant defense throughout the year they got better as the season wore on but in the early part especially in run support teams were able to run the football on them watch the backs watch the backs watch Jawan Washington this is his redemption game after missing a big part of the season he's healthy and I see a great uh, joke about this game that it should be named the AARP Bowl with Mm. Frank Solich being 74 and long 69. (laughs) Somebody missed out on a sponsorship deal there. coaches, though, are quality coaches. Oh, yeah. And again, they coach their talent up. I mean, Solich did it throughout his years at Nebraska. I mean, I think he got a bad rap at Nebraska overall. I mean, if, if they had Frank Solich throughout his tenure there, Nebraska fans would have been very happy as opposed to when they had Bo Pelini at the helm and now Scott Frost is the right guy. But we'll see how that plays out in Lincoln. A big battle uh, in this matchup. Marshall and USF, a must win. I'm going to call it out for Charlie Strong and the crew playing at home Mm. on their home stadium. Blake Barnett is healthy. Isaiah Green and Marshall step up this year. They're going to a bowl game. One thing I think I break down this matchup. You look at two of the teams that Marshall struggled with defensively this year, NC State earlier in the year and VaTech. South Florida runs a similar style of offense, not the same type of way under Charlie Strong at the helm, but in terms of formations, 
This is a must win. I'm taking Blake Barnett. I'm taking the Bulls. Even though they're giving up 244 rushing yards per game, they still have the speed. Minor upset USF over Marshall. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, history, and I'm going to yeah. go with Doc Holliday. I mean, if you look over the last yes. 20 years, uh, Marshall 10-1 and in bowl games. They've won six straight postseason games. I try not to... I, you know, I try to, to look too much at history because it's, it's often apples and oranges, but Doc Holliday knows how to get his kids ready. Doc Holliday has won at Marshall five consecutive bowl games. I'll stick on the number five guys because USF has lost five consecutive games after starting 7-0. As I watched tape and I looked at numbers this past week, there's nothing that's remarkable about USF. Nothing. I mean, it used to be defense. Defensively, they used to have that Florida speed. They were great in the secondary. They had linebackers that could, you know, run all over the field, sideline to sideline. Not the team this year. And Barnett, it helps that he's healthy, but Barnett had almost as many interceptions as touchdowns this year. 11 and 11. Yeah, it was exact then. I thought it was 11 and 10, but 11 and 11. So, you know, it helps that he's there. I I don't love this USF team. I continue to say Charlie Strong might be one of the most overrated coaches in college football. Hasn't done a damn thing since uh, since the Louisville days. I'm going to take Marshall. I think it means more to Marshall. It's a road game to be at Raymond James in Tampa. But that defense of Marshall, Malik Ant in the secondary, Ryan B up front, Ty Tyler up front, much better than USF. Give me the herd. Yeah, and they, they knocked off Colorado State last year. That was a great bowl game, right, Gabe? I mean, in order for Marshall to win this matchup, they're going to have to force turnovers. But it could go counterproductive. Sometimes teams are happy to stay home. But sometimes they're bored that they have to play in their home stadium for a bowl game. No, you're exactly right. And Marshall travel well. Uh, they're, they're a good road team. As you guys mentioned, great, great bowl team as well. Uh, they've won in Florida before. They've had success here in the past. To me, these are two teams going in different directions uh, right now. South Florida really started to fall apart as in the last month of the season. What, five straight losses? Meanwhile, uh, you know, Marshall won seven straight, stumbled a little bit, and then got back on track. And, you know, to me, as you stated, I think there's a lot of tension around the program. There's like an elephant in the room when it comes to Charlie Strong. You guys brought it up. Uh, and this program, you know that the boosters are, are wondering. And I don't think that they're coming in here as a, hey, let's have fun. You talk about it. And I remember Lane Kiffin talked about the challenge last year, even though they rolled. I, I, it was your boy, I guess, right? And uh, <laughs> Akron. But Kiffin said, hey, you're, you're at home, but at the same point in time, kids aren't excited. They're not They're not at a bowl game. It's a home game, and they almost think it sucks because they're like, I didn't even get to go to a bowl game. You know what I mean? Like playing a bowl game in my home stadium is not a bowl game. Mm. Right, kids want to go on the road. They want to get you know the gift bags and they want to enjoy the experience. I think it's hard to get the kids up for this sometimes. Meanwhile, we know Marshall's going to come in here fired up uh, for this football game. Yeah, give me the thundering herd in this spot. I think they continue their bowl uh, dominance and improve to eleven and one. When you look at both coaches, I mean, uh, for, uh, uh, excuse me. When you look at Marshall and Doc Holliday, I mean, dynamic bowl record. But you look at Charlie Strong, they are four and three uh, under Charlie Strong in terms of his tenure of bowl games. So, uh, again, Marshall stepped up last year. USF didn't. This is a defense that gave up only 130 rushing yards per game. They're giving up 100 rushing yards more than they were last year. And how much of a bigger impact was Quentin Flowers in terms of not only the bowl win, but on that offense as a whole? Charlie Strong really didn't have to coach up that offense because Quentin Flowers improvised a lot with his legs. Yeah, and he inherited Quentin Flowers, and I thought did a marginal job last year. And then this year after the 7-0 start against... Largely a weak schedule now has lost five straight games. So I, I think there is pressure on Charlie Strong. And, and I think uh, certainly something to keep in mind also is uh, what is the, you know, what is the mindset of a program going into an offseason? You know, Charlie Strong, he, you know, what, what's the difference between winning a bowl game over Marshall versus a six game losing streak to take into the offseason? If he struggles, he could be facing hot seat status in 2019. Doc Holliday, he's locked in. He knows he's going to be back. Contract extension. And and watch out for Tyree Brady. Back in the state of Florida, kid who began his career at Miami, wide receiver who blew up Colorado State in the bowl game last year. I'm not a big Isaiah Green fan right now. Not the quarterback that I thought Marshall would be using this year. He's taken time to develop. 
But with Tyree Brady on the outside, that passing game still could do, uh, do some damage against USF. I'm just surprised at how far USF has fallen. fallen. I mean, yeah, I mean, under Jim Levitt, this was becoming a national program, and little by little, Skip Holtz, and then yeah. and then uh, with Charlie UCF Strong, took the yeah. whole UCF has just passed them. Yeah, for sure. What it used to have. Yep, and th- and that's why it's a very important game for Charlie Strong. And from the uh, the ATS angle, both teams are four and eight against the numbers. So this have, year, this year, so even though Marshall's played well and, yeah. and performed from the Vegas angle, they've been overvalued, uh, especially at the early part of the year. So we'll see how that transpires in this matchup. But even from the recruiting aspect for Charlie Strong, you have FIU and Butch Davis that we're going to talk about next. You have FAU and Lane Kiffin. You have Mark Richt, you have now Dan Mullen at Florida. That's putting a lot of pressure on Charlie Strong because Willie Taggart still had this team headed in a in a right trajectory, and now you're seeing last year they won 10 games, and now they're slipping off. Now mm-hmm. seven wins in the regular season. That's un- unacceptable for Charlie Strong and his job I'm, I'm happy you brought up recruiting because I, I, was, I wanted to go there, and then I kind of had a lapse. This is what I do. Exactly. You teed <laughs> me up nicely because – Take a look at Marshall's roster. That's a ton of Floridians on that roster. I mean, that's what Marshall has done for years is they've gone into the Sunshine State. The kids that don't wind up at SEC uh, schools or ACC schools, Marshall has been able to go in and get some very talented Florida players. So, you know, Charlie Strong is not only battling against the FAUs and the UCFs and, and obviously the Gators and the Canes and the Knowles, but he's also competing with the Doc Holidays of the world, because Marshall will use this as a showcase of those Florida kids to say, hey, listen, you want to get out of Florida? You want to do something different? Come to Huntington. We win a lot of football games here. If he loses this ball game, I, he's going to be on the hot seat in, yes. two, in 2019. I agree. Because the way they ran him out of Texas, both five and seven t- uh, seasons, and now Texas and Tom Herman competed for a Big Ten cha- yep. uh, to a 12 championship Year against two. Oklahoma. They're playing uh, Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, now when you look at the body of work from Louisville with Teddy Bridgewater, it doesn't look as good as it did when he first started and came to Austin. All right. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I, again, in terms of this matchup, we'll see if it's high scoring. I mean, last year they put up a ton of points, but USF did have Quentin. Do you Flowers. know the number? Because I would lean towards the under. Do you know what the under well, over Gabe is? Says, Gabe said it. Uh, Gabe, you said it's in the area of 55 and a half for this matchup? We'll, we'll yeah, catch him on the back right end. Now. We'll catch it on the back end. When we come back, we'll be talking about FIU and Toledo. Keep it where it is. You know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. into the Bahamas Bowl. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite bowl games each and every year. It started with Western Kentucky in Central Michigan with Cooper Rush passing for seven touchdowns with the hook and ladder. Went for two with head coach Dan Enos. Did not get it. Followed that up with another big battle, Western Michigan and Middle Tennessee State. Now we have FIU and Toledo 
Very big battle here. I like Butch Davis in terms of what he's done with this program, Rich. This was supposed to be, a, I want to say, another rebuilding year. They haven't done that with quarterback James Morgan. He has passed for 26 touchdowns, defensively only given up 188 passing yards per game. Toledo, we know they have a big offense mm -hmm. with Peters and Gadani in terms of their quarterback play, 28 touchdowns combined. Passing and rushing for over 200. But defensively, the Rockets, to me, haven't stepped up in a big spot. And that's why I look for the physicality of FIU in this ballgame. Yeah, I, I think this game should be closer to a pick em. I, I don't know what yeah. the line has gone to, but I know we have it down at six. I, that, that line might be coming down at this point. I think these teams are fairly evenly matched, Joe. And, you know, you mentioned the Toledo defense. The one thing that uh, FIU does well is they create a lot of turnovers. And those Florida schools, no matter how small the school is, they tend to have linebacker safeties, corners that move very well. They're disruptive. They can create takeaways. That's what they've done. And offensively, balance Balance, balance. That's what Butch Davis wants. That's what he has. He gets James Morgan from Bowling Green. No great running back, but enough steady yeah. ability. So the balance of that offense, the takeaways defensively, I think they're they're on par with Toledo. You want to give me points, I'm going to take it. I'm shocked. The line opened up at six and a half. It's right at six dead. But this is one of these matchups when I look at the bowl perspective and I say, you know what, Bahamas Bowl, the, the heat, the humidity after the second half, teams start to wear down. And when you look at both of these defenses, you have uh, FIU allowing 172 rushing yards per game. Toledo giving up close to 200 in terms of run support. That's why I think the, not only FIU with the points, but I I think it'll be high scoring in this ball game. Bahamas Bowl usually is. It is I high mean, scoring. Yeah, yeah. Last year it was UAB and Ohio. I mean, it was a one-sided affair. But outside of that matchup last year, very competitive games. Yep. And that's why I'm taking the points. You're giving me six points. I'm taking FIU. Butch the, Davis is a, is a great game planner. Think five. about this real quick before we turn it over to Gabe. I mean, look at what FIU did against quality competition this year. Yes. Indiana lost by ten. Miami lost by two touchdowns, not too bad. Toledo, common opponent against the Miami. same Miami team, lost by 25. So I, I think, listen, I love Toledo's wide receivers. Toledo, amongst group of yes. five schools, nobody's better. Thompson's big. Thompson, John V. Johnson, yep. right? Uh, I mean, Deontay Johnson, right. they're phenomenal on the outside. But take the receivers out of it. I think Florida International can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Toledo in the Bahamas. Gabe, is it still sponsored by Popeyes, this bowl? Is it? It's the Makers Wanted. I don't know what that is. I liked it when it was Popeyes. Makers I Wanted. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, but yeah. You know what? The Bahamas Bowl, fun game, isn't it? We've had some fun games over the years. And they try to get some teams uh, that, that'll put some points on the board. You guys mentioned it. I talked about it last year. And you guys remember, I was all over FAU last year, Lane Kiffin. But I thought the job that Butch Davis did flew under the radar at FIU. And Lane Kiffin sort of hogged all the oxygen last year. And look, um, you know, Lane Kiffin shot that program up quickly. And then, you know, like a shooting star, came right back down. Meanwhile, we got some consistency. A lot of people thought FAU would struggle this year after losing their quarterback uh, as well. You know, Toledo, I thought Toledo, this wasn't as the same Toledo team. You know, I think it's starting to catch up to them a little bit that they lost Matt Campbell. You lose a, good, a coach as good as he is, it's going to catch up a little bit. Yet, they found themselves winning four of their last five football games. I didn't like those games, man. They lost Eastern Michigan. They lost against Buffalo. They got back on track. And then that Northern Illinois game, man, they got smoked in a big football game. They just got overwhelmed. And I don't know what to make of this Toledo team. I mean, they beat Kent State. They beat Central Michigan to end the year. I'm sort of a closet Toledo fan. They've always been one of my uh, go-to teams uh, over the years. I've had a lot of respect for the Rockets. Uh, but without being stated, I don't trust them laying points here, guys. I've been burnt too many times by the Rockets this year. And you look at Toledo as well, 6-6 six and six against the spread this year. So a 500 ball, mm -hmm. ball club for the most part. I think Toledo's a better underdog team than they are for the most part in a bowl game. Uh, last year they came out, they were favorites against App, against App State. They got blown out in that ball game, 34 to nothing. So when you look at the coaching angle in terms of that matchup, he didn't have his team prepared against yep. App State. They got, I mean, 
it oh, I agree. from the beginning. I agree. Now, granted, FIU lost to uh, Temple, but we know the quarterback was hurt on the first series. That factored we into know that well. We know that very well. Yeah. We do. <laughs> Frankie Juice. But, that was uh, but, Magoo, right? Alex yeah, was Alex out. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but Butch Davis had the team ready. Yeah. And I think when this year, I didn't expect a whole lot out of FIU. He's prepared them. 8-4, I mean, Joe. 8-4. I mean, that, that's had, an impressive season for Butch. he understands the recruiting angle as well. He mm-hmm. understands the prep. He's been there before, before. He's been a national champion. And he understands some of the challenges. He takes it seriously. And I think from a coach's perspective as well, when the coach understands what he has to do to be successful, it trickles down to the players because, obviously, you look at the flip side, you look at Charlie Strong and USF, not the same type of mentality. Gabe brought up a, a very interesting point, which I didn't think of, which is you know, Jason Candle, who was hot for a while, not not saying he can't coach and not saying he can't regroup. Matt Wells struggled, too, for a while, yes. for a number of years, regrouped this year and parlayed it into a job in Lubbock, and maybe Jason Candle could do the uh, same thing. But Gabe uh, really gave me something to think about, which is, you know, for the first couple of years, he may have been living off of Matt Campbell's oh, players yeah. And Matt Campbell's player development. And now that Matt has been in Ames for the past couple of seasons, and Jason Candle and his staff are now developing their own players that they've recruited, this hasn't looked like the same Toledo team offensively or defensively. It's a more mediocre football team. So, again, when I look at everything from metrics to player comparisons, I don't see that much of a difference between FIU and Toledo. For Toledo on a neutral field to be a six-point favorite, that seems to be very generous to me. To your point, in terms of... You make me feel smart, Rich, but agree with me so much here. You you called it, too, and you mentioned it, Joe. Toledo, 6-6 ATS. I got a Florida international team nine and three against the spread this year, guys mm. getting points yeah. with once again, an NFL caliber coach. I mean, look, man, uh, Butch is such a good coach guys. He got the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. <laughs> well said. Yes, he did. And to your point, last, in terms last of- time the Browns were in the playoffs, he was the coach. Yep. You're, yeah, that's a great point. And Butch Davis doesn't get enough credit for what he did in Miami. I mean, he kept that together. Uh, but to your point about Candle in terms of the biggest change that I see from Matt Campbell, and you'll know is that uh, when you look at Matt Campbell, offensive line play, when he was there at Toledo, they only allowed close to mm. 9 to 12 sacks per year. This year, 29 total wow. sacks allowed going up against a very physical Fast defensive front in Florida uh, International, and that's another matchup to see uh, as this game plays out uh, later in the week. Uh, last ball game on the docket for Friday is BYU and Western Michigan, one of the bigger spreads in terms of the Vegas angle. 12.5 points against Western Michigan. Now, Western Michigan does have a balanced offense led by Ellaby. Wozniak might play in this game, I'm not sure, but they're averaging 200 rushing yards per game, passing for around 240. Uh, on the ground, have Bogan. They also have Bellamy, who I think reminds me of a young, uh, I said it before, Willis McGahee, not only from wearing the number, but the physicality perspective does come into play. BYU is a more physical team on the offensive defensive lines with older kids. They might win, but I don't think they covered this 12.5-point number with Zach Wilson at the helm in this ballgame. Yeah, Wilson is a true freshman. Ella B is as well. So you, you could have a couple of freshman quarterbacks going head-to-head. The, the strength in this game would have to be the BYU defense. Of all the units, uh, strongest is BYU. But, man, they have so many problems scoring. I, I would not want to be laying that many points with BYU against just about anybody. I mean, they are so methodical, so average offensively. Don't execute. Defense, again, is solid. But Western Michigan, they're going to come to play. They, they're gonna, this is going to matter to Western Michigan. Uh, they've had some moments this year. If you're going to give double-digit points, I think that's asking a lot for Wilson. It's going to take time, and I miss the days when BYU was prolific offensively. We really haven't seen that in quite some time. 155 rushing yards per game, only 199 through the air. And now when you look at the progression of Wilson, like you said, if they fall behind, it's it takes them a while to catch up. And look at the way they surrendered that lead in the uh, Holy War. They yeah. had a 20-point lead, could not move the football. Almost lost that ball game by eight points. Gabe, when I look at this matchup, too, I take in the head coaches. I'm not sold on Kalani Sataki in terms of his progression for taking over for Mendenhall. And for that matter, I lean to Western Michigan in this ballgame. 
you know, we talk about excitement level and the enthusiasm level of how teams are going to approach uh, these bowl games. How excited can the guys, and I don't say kids, the men on BYU going to be to go to Boise? And they played here before. They played against Boise over the years. And, and, you know, just as a program, I don't think it's very exciting. I mean, these guys, we're talking about guys that are, you know, they're not going to the NFL. And they're also they're thinking about their missions. They're thinking about this, their wife. And I, I wonder about the enthusiasm factor. And you brought it up, Rich, once again. You sort of stole my thunder on this one. I just don't I – can't, I can't justify laying double-digit points uh, with, with BYU. Look at the games that BYU played in. The few times they blew teams out, they were really inferior opponents. And I look, you know, you know who didn't – you know who BYU didn't blow out this year? Northern Illinois. In fact, you know, they lost to North Illinois. So, you know, they already lost to a MAC team this year, and now suddenly, oh, yeah, now game was at BYU. And now suddenly I'm, I'm laying 12 points on a neutral field. Both these teams are very streaky this year. Yeah. You know, they both had their ups and downs, especially Western Michigan. But, hey, man, we're playing with house money coming in here. I think Western Michigan, they've done a nice job after it's funny we're talking about losing coaches. I think Western Michigan's done a nice job in the post-Fleck era of sort of moving forward and fighting their way through this. I think Michigan State, uh, Western Michigan comes in here playing with house money, getting double-digit points. Give me the Broncos. And here's the biggest thing that I looked at when we look at the, the number in this ballgame. It's, tw- you know, 12 and a half it opened at. Outside the college football playoff, we had uh, Clemson open up as an 11-point favorite and Alabama open up as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the biggest spread on the Are board. there any other double digits? No. No, no. A good job of matchups, though. At yeah. least, at least we have competitive yeah, matchups. Yeah, last year's matchups for the most part. The big double-digit spreads, like uh, FAU over Akron, they wound up covering that ball game. But Florida was, State, Southern Miss, that, same that thing. That was a yeah. significant disadvantage for those teams in terms of FAU was one of the best teams in the country. They only lost three games last year and seven of the 14, they rushed for over 300 statistically. And you have this BYU team that is just a methodical offense. They're only averaging close to 350 total yards per game. And they're going up against a a high powered offense. That's still balanced Mm -hmm. in Western Michigan. So why wouldn't you take the points in that matchup? The only reason is if BYU is able to run the football with Squally Canada and those backs, then maybe they can wear them down. But otherwise, you should be in this ball game from start to finish. And it is possible. I mean, Western Michigan does not have a great defense. The, the one thing I've learned about BYU this year is they play to the level of the competition. You know, Gabe mentioned Northern Illinois. BYU is a team that went into Madison and upset Wisconsin. Yes. And they did go toe-to-toe with Utah, which won the Pac-12 South. And and they beat Arizona and only lost by a field goal to Cal. So they have that potential. But you know what? This is not a Pac-12 team that's going to be meeting them in Boise. And I think BYU knows that. BYU plays to the level of their competition. Now that it's a mid-tier MAC school, a la Northern Illinois, I think BYU is going to play to that level. I I think Western Mission is going to be jacked up for this game. They're going to be fired up. They've got the one-two punch out of the backfield. And I think they can hang with BYU. Yeah, and to your point, the way you have to beat Western Michigan is over the top. They're giving up 209 passing yards per game, and that's not the strength this year uh, no. for BYU and that offense under Wilson. They're going to force them to read coverage as well. When was the last time BYU had you know, a big-time receiver? They've had some good tight ends over the years, but it's been a long time yeah. since they've had a receiver like an 80-catch guy where you're like, Austin hey. Austin Colley was maybe that yeah, guy. Yeah. Austin, you know, he, but he was more a good of a, example. a slot receiver. The year that they had the two Hail Marys uh, uh, against Nebraska, Nebraska. and uh, yeah. and uh, Boise, yep. I think that they, they had a couple of wide receivers there, but not elite in terms of. Yeah, the passing you know, game hasn't able. been scary, you know, during the height of the Taysom Hill era. That was more of a, of a between-the tackles, yeah. grinded-out type of an offense. A lot was done with his legs. Yeah, a lot, a lot exactly. Not legs. a great passer. It was mostly with, you know, with his legs, his physical legs between the tackles. And, you know, BY, for, for Kalani Sataki to turn things around, he needs this young quarterback to develop, or he needs to get a quarterback in there that can sort of bridge the gap back to yesteryear when, when BYU was BYU and they were able to outscore opponents. See, it just now, hasn't been the case. Now, Gabe, if there was one over I think I would ha- question in terms of the Bulls, I think it would be this one for me just because it's right on. I don't like the number 49 and a half. I mean, BYU probably try and run the football, but I mean, 
I can't see them putting up 40 on Western Michigan, can you? It's amazing, isn't it, Joe, how the odds makers have really set these bowl numbers pretty low. They're across the board. I mean, I think they do that to suck you in, though, too. I mean, look at look at Buffalo's uh, totals in the NFL. They've been putting them at 38 every week. No, I take the over every week. The Bills four and one of the over last five. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) It's just but but I'm saying I think they do that to suck you in just to get the other side. They put a number. I think. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And they're always listening. It's it's a mind war, right? But you can't fall for that stuff. You got to try to tune that out. But my deal is I think the books are sort of, they don't know, all right? And there's a lot of these teams are not great offensively, plus they've been off. We talked about it earlier about, well, these earlier bowl games might go, they go over a little bit more than the teams have been off for nearly a month. Yet these teams have still been off as well. And there's almost that unknown factor. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm curious to see how the first, uh, this week, today's action plays out because that'll give us a, a little bit of a sign about whether what we can expect. Now, we won't know until those semifinals. You're right, there's play. a lot of It's contagious. Yeah, it you're is, right. like it is. At least, right, like, at least for the early part of these bowls. Certainly more underdogs will win. If the favorites are smashing, the favorites are smashed. But BYU, Joe, 9-3 and three to the under on the year. They've yeah. only had three mm. games over a year. Yeah, I'm curious to see if he makes sense. He's another coach on the hot seat, uh, Kalani Sitaki. If he doesn't win this bowl, he'll be uh, could be on the outside looking in for 2020. When we come back, it's best bet time. We'll also talk about the coaching changes for 2019. Keep it where it is. NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. College football today brought to you by Bet DSI. It's best bet time. I said it before on the show. My best bet of the day is Willie Fritz and Tulane taking on UL Lafayette. I'll lay the three and a half. It's down to three now, but I'll lay the four. I think Tulane has the better offense, better secondary in this matchup. UL Lafayette giving up 210 rushing yards per game. Give me Tulane laying the wood over the Raging Cajuns at the 130 p.m. matchup. I'm taking Eastern Michigan with the three points over Georgia Southern. I look for Uyghurs. I look for Glass to step up offensively. Defensively, I think they're a little bit better than Georgia Southern. Make them one-dimensional and do get the outright win. I'm taking Mason Fine and the Mean Green. I like them with the seven and a half. They might win the game outright, but I think they do cover the seven and a half. Not sure about this one out of all of them. UAB, think they have the better defense and the better offensive play than Northern Illinois. So I like UAB laying the two and a half in that matchup. I like San Diego State. I think they get the outright win over Ohio. And Butch Davis and the crew, FIU, give me the points in the Bahamas Bowl. They get the outright win over Toledo in that ballgame. Yeah, Joe, uh, I'm going to go against you on Eastern Michigan. I like Georgia Southern. Give me the team that can uh, ground it out today. I'm going to take the Eagles. I like what they've done this year. Had a great start to the season. Looked like they might actually win the Sun Belt. Tailed off at the end, but I think they regroup behind Shy Wirtz and Wesley Fields out of the backfield. So I'll take GSU. I'm, I'm with you on UAB. I, I, I'm i not doing backflips, but yeah. I, I think they finished this season, unlike last year, I think they finished with, with the exclamation point that they couldn't get in 2017. Now that Spencer Brown out of the backfield is going to be healthy, A.J. Erdely is going to be healthy, I think that, uh, that backfield now close to 100% is going to help against a Northern Illinois team with those 50 sacks. I love the defense. I think UAB's got a little more offensively, so give me the Blazers. I like Western Michigan. We just talked about it in the last segment. 
Too many points. I, I mean, you know, BYU laying double digits without much of an offensive pulse. Uh, I'm going to take Western Michigan, motivated in the Potato Bowl next week. I'll take the Broncos. And then it's not on the board. It's not on the graphic. But I'm going to go with Joe on FIU. The more we talked about it, the more I realized I liked FIU. wasn't a best bet. But I'm going to put it in the best bet category next week because I, I think Butch Davis is not only the better coach in this matchup, but he has more speed than Toledo, that offensive balance, that sideline-to-sideline play of the defense. I think FIU and Toledo is closer to a pick than Vegas believes. Six points, I'm going to take it. Give me the Panthers. Gabe, who do you have for your best bets of the week? Well, my best bets of the week are today. I'm going hard. I'm betting all five games. <laughs> <laughs> Let them rip. So, rip them off, yeah, baby. Look. You know, Joe, I'm excited, buddy, because I, I was at our book earlier in the week. I already played some tickets, you know? I got in. I'm bet, I bet I already played online, too. So I'm going to pull the trigger right out of the gate at 1.30 Eastern here with Lafayette. And speaking of Popeyes and a Popeyes bowl, I never really realized the Lafayette and the Popeyes logo are the same. Sort <laughs> <laughs> of the same colors and everything. Louisiana, right? So maybe, maybe I'm slow to the party on this one, but... Yeah, give me Lafayette plus the points. We talked about teams. We saw it with UAB last year. We've seen it over the years. Teams that get to get to a bowl game for the first time after a long time and or for the first time ever, they generally lose that game for the first time because they, they enjoy the process too much. And they're just happy to be there, literally and figuratively. Uh, give me Lafayette plus the three and a half. I'm taking North Texas plus the points. We talked about this game, uh, guys. Losing your head coach, losing your defensive coordinator, losing your offensive coordinator. I generally want to bet against interim coaches to begin with. But, you know, a lot of times the head guy's gone, but then the OC or the DC steps up. We don't even have that uh, here. Give me North Texas and uh, and Latrell and company and Mason Fine uh, and, and the mean green plus the points. We talked about Arizona State. I've always been a big fan of Las Vegas Bowl. And it's funny because I lived in Vegas. and I never went to this game. Um, and, uh, they moved it though, right? So now it's on a Saturday afternoon. I've always wanted to go. The problem is that that stadium, it's not really in Las Vegas. It's a pain in the ass, actually, the reality to go there. And imagine what this Las Vegas about it, guys. What this Las Vegas Bowl is going to be like when the, when the Raiders have a stadium? Will Will it be played in the no. new stadium? Do you think? I don't think it will. Do you think it will be? It has to be. Dude, that stadium's a dump. It might be the worst stadium. Yeah. Like Bishop I know. Ball. That's why I like the bowl game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what's funny, guys? I remember last year they gave USC the choice from two years ago. You can train, you can practice at UNLV, or you can practice at Bishop Gorman. They took Bishop Gorman. Wow, uh, the high school. Bishop Gorman's the powerhouse high school was, in Vegas. Yeah, that was right when USC Sark Trojan, became head coach. You know what? Yeah, we're, we're, we'll practice at the high school. How like, they're better facilities. That's crazy. So, that's all you need. so I would assume, yeah, it'll be in the Raiders Stadium. But give me ASU in this game. Not It's going to be a fun atmosphere, not to mention, you know, Arizona's right next door to Nevada. ASU's going to be represented. You know the kids from Fresno are going to be partying in Vegas. It's going to be a fun atmosphere, that football game. But give me ASU there. We're going with Eastern Michigan. Um, uh, I, I, like the, I like the physicality. We talked about the, the, the powerful running backs that they have, smash-mouth linebackers. I'm going smash-mouth Midwest on that one. And then once again – you know, I think App State are a little bit overrated. I think, and also, guys, I think Johnny Public, you look at the numbers come down a little bit here, but, but I think Johnny Public that bets this game just going to go, oh, App State, yeah, they beat Michigan. I know App State. They're going to bet this, not really realizing the coach is gone, not realizing the experience that Middle Tennessee State has. So I don't want to be generic here, but very simple. I'm taking all five underdogs plus the points today. Mm, wow, I like I like that. But Johnny and I'm Public, I'm not doing it like oh, I'm taking the dogs. I like all five dogs. I yeah. like. I just told you, you know, in each game, I, I'll give me all five dogs. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, uh, again, if the dogs come barking, rah, rah, rah. Johnny jo- Johnny Public is like a distant cousin of Joey Double Digits. Yeah, uh, I think. Joey Double Digits and Joe Public. <laughs> but listen, Gabe did the breakdown. Gabe, give him the facts again when you broke down the bowl season. How many games were decided? By double digits. Well, that's a good point, actually. I wish I had the numbers here, but you guys know it's not like our. our uh, you said our it was over seventy percent. Yeah, our researchers aren't here for us right now. But you're right. <laughs> I, uh, let me listen. When you guys, before we're done here, I'll rattle off and I'll, bu- I'll bust it up. But I'm telling you, it was about seventy-five percent, guys. Few and far between. Few and far between the close bowl games until January first. 
that was the day. And now it was basically all the Big Ten SEC games were all close. You know what I mean? But generally other ones, and I'll rattle it off for you, but it's amazing. There really aren't that many close. Like, I'm curious to see. Okay, your opinion, guys. Out of these five games today, do any of these games come down to a missed field goal or a last play of the game or something uh, like that? I think the last one could be really close. I, I, I think App State, Middle Tennessee yeah. State, I think that could be a nail-biter, but I see where you're going. I, I, I mean, see Eastern, too. Just I, I, I think what team. happens is once once somebody— There's no way SU could go back and forth a bit, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Which the dogs are barking. Dogs are barking. Dogs are barking. Yeah, they are. I like it. I like it. Who let the dogs out? I mean, I think you see closer bowl, uh, bowl games over like four or five years ago than we've seen in recent years just because of the landscape of players leaving. and I, I, I think the attention span, Joe, is a lot shorter. So, you know, unlike the regular season where, you know, guys yeah. will grind, they'll dig deep. You know what? We're down by we're down by 20. We're going to. We're gonna rally. We're gonna come back. You know, I think now you know seasons. Right. You know what I mean? It's not the same. Yeah, Gabe. If somebody if somebody puts their foot on the gas and gets out to a two touchdown lead early, it's a lot of time. It's it's very difficult to find that you know deep down to to kind of rally. It's a lot harder to do that in the postseason. You know? Yeah. Here it is. Last year, first bowl game out of the gate, New Orleans Bowl. Troy won fifty to thirty against North Texas. Twenty points. Georgia, Georgia, Western Kentucky, 27-17, double-digit points. Boise beat Oregon, double-digit points. Uh, Marshall, Colorado State, three-point game. Mid-Tennessee State, Arkansas State, that was a fun game, that one. I remember that one, 35-30. All right, Akron, uh, FAU, 50-3. Louisiana Tech, SMU, 51-10. Temple, 28-3 over FIU. Ohio, 41-6 over UAB. Wyoming, 37-14 over Central Michigan. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a trend. There's a, there's a pattern, isn't there? Yeah, that favors Joey Double Digits. In, in, you know, Joey we'll, Double D. Joey Double D will be in action a little bit later today at one thirty. He'll be barking. Yeah, I'll be and barking. Joey, you know what? There's some and the un, there's underdogs that won by double digits here. Yeah, That's yeah. what we're those saying. Were, yeah, those are there. underdogs, right? Yeah, yeah great boys point. were underdogs to the dogs. I can go down the list, Joe, because some yeah. underdogs on this list. Yeah, they're barking. I hope they're barking. <laughs> it's barking. All right, put a bone in it. Put a stick a bone in the dog. All right. <laughs> I do want to talk Give quickly about when we talk when we talked about the coaching hires. One coaching hire that stuck out for me was Georgia Tech naming Temple uh, new head coach Jeff Collins. Solid hire. I think they need that within the ACC. Yeah. Now, is he going to take them to the promised land? Is this going to be a team that's going to challenge for a division title in years to come? No, but I still think he can get them back to nine and three, eight and four overall. He's going to have to change the talent, though, on that team, and that stops starts with changing the triple option. Yeah, and I, I think he can get a different caliber of offensive yeah. player now. I, yeah. I think when you have more of a pro-style offense or maybe even a spread offense, you can get different types of players, different quarterbacks than obviously Paul Johnson was able to get for a number of years. And, and listen, Paul did a, an up-and-down job. I think you can only get so far. He's not going to be Georgia in that state. We know that. But the one thing I'll say is uh, getting a job in the ACC Coastal, not a bad idea these days yeah. because that is so wide open. Pittsburgh just won the Coastal. So for a Mac Brown at North Carolina or a Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, you could say to yourself, the gap between where we are today and at least appearing in an ACC title game, not so far. So I think Jeff Collins was a good hire. Look at what Temple has become in terms of a pipeline to the Power Five programs. We talked about it off air during the week. Al Golden goes to Miami, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Collins goes to Georgia Matt Tech. Rule went Matt to Rule goes to, to Baylor. Baylor. Steve Adazio goes to Boston College. So, you know, Temple is becoming the cradle of Power Five coaches over right. the past decade. And to Gabe, I want to get your take because I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. If Oklahoma loses to Alabama in the college football playoff, and now we see Kansas State with climbing from North Dakota State, we have Matt Rule there, we have Matt Campbell there. We're slowly starting to see a transition going back to more of a blue-collar type of approach in the Big 12. Don't be shocked if we start to see a changing of the guard within the conference. It's interesting, isn't it, as the NFL is starting to change into spread offense college guys. Right. Oh, that's, that's the thought. You know, our boy Pete, actually, in Canada, I think he's in Ontario, uh, 
you know, a regular view of the show, sent a tweet, uh, and he just said a thing from Dave Briggs, who reported, if Ohio State had decided on a search to replace Urban Meyer, its top four candidates were Matt Campbell, Dino Babers, Bob Stoops, and wow. a current NFL head coach. Wow. And I'm just thinking, wow. I just bring up Matt Campbell's name, guys, because you know I talked about Matt Campbell earlier uh, being connected to the Cleveland Browns. Mm. And I know it's a little bold, all right? Maybe not yet, but Matt Campbell's going to be coaching a big-time place in a couple of years. And I'm just thinking, I don't know how it's going to work out with Day here at OSU, but as I just told someone on, tw- on Twitter, don't you believe you – know, I'm thinking Matt Campbell's going to be the coach of Ohio State one day, mm. right? If, if not, maybe he's going to be a coach in the NFL if he isn't. Yeah, I think – well, I think that's not a bad, you know uh, – progression because of his ability to coach up the offensive line and on the next level that's what you want now is Cleveland the right fit Cleveland would be a good fit (laughs) I mean I I think when you look at Cleveland overall there can be Lincoln Riley if he if he coaches up Kyler Murray to a a playoff win you would have to think with Baker Mayfield that might be a fit but Dallas could be as well I mean there's a number of places that that both of those coaches can go how 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 auspicious a debut for for Lincoln Riley I mean we'll maybe never see something like that again Heisman Trophy two Heisman Trophy winners two different Heisman Trophy winners in his first two years as a head coach so his stock can't be really much higher than it is right now unless of course they upset Alabama and then somebody's going to open up the vault for why this would guy. you why would you leave if you knock if you knock off Alabama now you're back to back you know college football playoff appearance semifinals you lost one you win one now you if you do win a national championship why would you leave I think it's just a matter of personal taste I he's young now if he had been doing it for 10 years we've like seen Saban. coaches yeah you've done it for a long time and then you figure like you know what I want to try something different I want to maybe go to the NFL let's win a Super Bowl but but you know Lincoln is still in his 30s only in his second year at Oklahoma I I think he loves college football he loves where he's at he obviously has a great thing in Norman so I believe he stays at this point but listen if he's successful five or six years from now maybe does win that national championship then he might say let's try out the NFL yeah and then you have the mad hatter I think think he's overrated not overrated I don't want to say that but I'm saying I don't really get this. Let's hand the keys to Lincoln Riley in the NFL talk. Mm. Has anyone watched his defense play? Yeah. Yeah, but you I think I mean? that's like, it's okay. the McVeigh argument, though, Gabe. It's it's know, Sean McVeigh. What? Yeah, but he's Oklahoma. He's done it for one year with Bob Stoops' players. Like, come on, man. I, I just think there's a little overreaction here. I think people are a little too I'm, – I'm not disrespecting him. I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll go. You know what I mean? I don't know what his future is. But I like Lincoln Riley. I'm just stating – Seems a little bit premature mm. to say, oh, we got to hire this guy because he was with Baker Mayfield for a year. Yeah, yeah no, that's a great point. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, two years. I, yeah, I, I agree with what Gabe's saying. Yeah. I mean, two years, he scored a lot of points, but collapsed in the playoff last year, and they don't play a lick of defense. We're in a now mentality. Gee, we're whatever the hot, whatever the hot topic is, though, it's Kyler Murray. So you, you look at Kyler Murray, <laughs> you look at Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. you know? I woke up dangerous this uh, morning. All I know is I wish I was Lincoln's agent because, I mean, that is an ideal situation to be in. Or yeah. Kyler's agent. Or you Kyler's Kyler agent. more money than Lincoln does? Actually, the kids yes, joke about that. I am aware of he that. He has more money than <laughs> Hey, one thing coaching I want to point out is I'm not a huge fan of the Mac Brown to Chapel Hill hire. Love the coordinators he's brought in. Yeah, I, I mean, that. you know that, you know, Joe and I yeah, have yeah, had yeah, Phil Long go on from yes. Ole Miss, and Phil's done a great job offensively. But the one that really impressed me was Jay Bateman. I mean, look at what Jay Bateman did with that Army defense over the past couple of seasons to get Longo on offense and Bateman on defense. Mac is basically saying, almost like Herm at Arizona he's State, managing. I'm the manager, I'm the CEO. Of course, I'm going to be the face. I'm going to be the guy who brings in more dollars, more recruits. But look at these young up-and-coming coordinators I have. That's a program in Carolina that could also be competing for a coastal championship in a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, and you mentioned it. I mean, it's wide open. When you see the, the, the progression of some of the other teams, Vatek took a step back, 6-6 six and six, Miami with Mark Richt. It's wide open for some of those teams. So we'll, we'll see what transpires in the ACC Coastal. For Rich Sermonello and Gabe Morenci, I'm Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next Saturday.